0: Good morning once again, and welcome today. If you're new with us or if you're a guest, uh, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's, it's good to be together today. You know, we gather together on Sundays because this is the day of the resurrection. We remember each week as we gather that God has already overcome sin and death, And that gives us hope and confidence in the midst of life and the challenges that we face. We've already been reminded this morning that we have a God who is faithful, that we have a God who who gives us strength so we don't have to do it on our own, that we have a God who is good even when life is not good. And one of the reasons we come together to worship is to remember all of this, And part of remembering is not just recalling. Part of remembering is being reformed and reshaped so that we can in turn go and live as the people of God in the world. And so we gather together. One of the things we remember as we gather together each week is we remember that we're not alone. We don't have to go through life and live this faith on our own. We have one another. One of the things that we remember as we come together is not only do we have one another, but we have a God who is with us and that is true all the time I know for a lot of you who are here today it's especially good to be reminded of that this week we'll talk about that in just a little bit if you have your bibles with you today I'd invite you to join me in the gospel of Luke we've been spending these last few weeks in in Luke's gospel as we are in this sermon series Just really longing to have the eyes to see the way that God is working in our midst. So we're going to read uh, uh, several verses today uh, from Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. And I'd invite you to stand as we read God's Word. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled, just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus, so impressed were they by the gracious words flowing from his lips. They said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? Then Jesus said to them, undoubtedly, you will quote this saying to me, doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. He said, I assure you that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown." And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three and a half years. And there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet, Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha. But none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger. They rose up and ran him out of town. They they led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say together, thanks be to God. you know about 20 years ago if i happened to be driving in my car on a saturday evening which was not an uncommon occurrence at the time i would usually try to search the the radio to to try to find the local npr station because on saturday evenings on npr there was a program called a prairie home companion it was recorded not far from where i lived at the time and My favorite part, it was a radio variety show that was about two hours long. My favorite part, and what was most people's favorite part, kind of came in the middle of this radio program. It was a segment called The News from, anyone know? Lake Wobegon. The News from, nobody here knows about Lake Wobegon? A couple people are, okay, there we go. You know, in, in this in this show, it, it always began, well, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon. You know, I was reminded of that for a couple of reasons. One reason I was reminded of that this week is because it's been anything but a quiet week here in Spokane Valley. You know, this has been a really hard week for a lot of people. You know, we're a large enough church where every week is a difficult week for someone. This has been a hard week for a lot of folks. We've had a lot of people, a lot of people, who've been sick lately. You know, one week ago, we, we had somebody, Marianne, Pastor Billy mentioned her in his prayers. She, one of her sons died to ALS, her, her second son to die in the last five years. Later this week, we, we had someone whose brother passed away wasn't particularly close to her brother but even in the midst of complex relationships loss can just bring what it brings to us right and then yesterday we had two people who were part of our congregation who passed away yesterday morning sometime yesterday morning Cavill Benchoff passed away in his sleep if you're newer in our congregation you probably don't know Cavill because most of the last two years they've participated remotely with us. Cavill was a retired Nazarene pastor. And we think today of his wife, Eleanor, who in the last year has had a son die, a niece die, and now her husband died. Later in the day, yesterday evening, Gary Hoyt passed away. We haven't even had a chance to send out notifications about these two deaths as we normally do to our congregation. A lot of you probably knew Gary, even if you didn't know that you knew Gary. Gary would sing on our worship team. Gary helped us upstairs in the booth. So today, we also think of of Gary and his family and many of you who were good friends. It's been anything but a quiet week for us here in the life of our church. I think of that some as I think of this passage. This passage in Luke's gospel is kind of an interesting one. But in the midst of this passage, I am confident that there is good news for all of God's people, wherever we are. So I want us to, to look to this today as we, we explore this. And that's really the second, one of the second reasons I, I, I was reminded of, of Lake Wobegon. In a quiet week here in lake wobegon i think some of the descriptions about lake wobegon could have been said about the city where we find ourselves luke tells us that jesus went back to his hometown of nazareth right nazareth was a quiet little city in fact one of the ways in a prairie home companion when when garrison keeler would talk about lake wobegon one of the ways he would describe the city as the little town That time forgot and decades could not improve. The little town that time forgot and decades could not improve. That probably would have been a good description for Nazareth. Let me tell you what we know about Nazareth. Well, that right there is a problem. We don't know very much about Nazareth. The reason we don't know very much about Nazareth, if we would go back to that time frame, the couple hundred years around when Jesus was there, You know, in in all of the literature, there is literature from that time frame. Nazareth is never mentioned until the Gospels. It wasn't even worth mentioning. So we don't know very much about Nazareth. Other than that, it was just kind of a a small town. Probably about 400 folks. The kind of town that is forgotten that that time does not improve, right? Time forgets and decades don't, don't improve it. You know, Nazareth was, was a little town where where everybody knew everybody, and because you knew everybody, you also knew everybody's business, right? It was one of those towns. It was located in, in Galilee, which was was a region of, of Judah. And here's something that's helpful to remember about Galilee. This was, this was uh, you know, Galilee was the area where a lot of Jesus' ministry took place. It was kind of like his home base. Nazareth was a city there, but, but also other cities that, that might sound familiar to us, like Capernaum or Chorazin. These were other cities that were located in Galilee. Here's another thing that's helpful to remember about Galilee this area, the the people of Judah, this country of Judah, was was first conquered by the Greeks about 400 years before Jesus came. And then about 60 years or so before Jesus, the Romans took control. And here's why that matters. Anytime another country took control, they they brought their government, they brought their, their faith, they brought their philosophy, they brought their practices into that territory. So by the time of Jesus, in, in Gentile, or in, in, excuse me, in Galilee in this region, there, there were some communities that had pretty much been completely influenced by this Greco-Roman influence. They, it shaped all of their, their life and practices and values, and faith was completely shaped by this. There were other communities that that really worked hard to maintain their Jewish faith and practice and hold out hope to have their Jewish kingdom once again. And then there was a a lot of cities that were somewhere in between. They were kind of a mixture of this. I guess what I'm trying to say is is Galilee was kind of a melting pot where a lot of this just different stuff was happening. You know, it's not hard to imagine, though, that a, a small out-of-the-way, backwoods, forgotten town like Nazareth, would have held on to its, its Jewish faith and Jewish practice, more so that, than some other places that might have found themselves in the crossroads of, of culture and society. Perhaps that's why Jesus coming home was such initially good news for the people of Nazareth. Nazareth was the town where Jesus grew up. He was the the hometown kid. He he grew up there. He shared their faith. He he shared their values. He knew them and they knew him. Not to mention, they'd been hearing these reports of what Jesus was doing in other places throughout Galilee. They heard of his preaching. He was was a preacher who, who preached a message of good news for all people. And not only did he preach good news for all people, but but he performed miracles. He he healed people who were sick. I mean, and and, and as they started remembering, they also remembered that although Jesus was from Nazareth, he'd actually been born somewhere else. He was born in Bethlehem, which was another small town, but also happened to be the birthplace of King David. And the prophets said, that the Messiah or the Savior would come from the city of David. And here is Jesus proclaiming this message of good news for all people. And here was Jesus performing miracles and healing the sick and and setting people free. And he was from born in Bethlehem. I mean, could could this really be? And just think about that for a moment. He's also from Nazareth. If Jesus proves to be who some people are saying he is, think about what that means for all of the people from Nazareth, right? You kind of get where they're going with this? So Jesus comes home and he goes to the synagogue on on the Sabbath day to worship. And there were certain rhythms uh, of synagogue worship. One of the things that they did every time they gathered is they would read the Shema. From Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Goes on to remind them that they are to, to wear these reminders on their foreheads and doorposts and to repeat them to their children, right? It's this reminder, this core reminder of their faith. And they would gather on Sabbath worship, and they would also they would pray together. They would offer various prayers. And then there would, there would typically be readings from either the law or the prophets. And different people would come, and they would read. And so, so Jesus stepped up to read, and he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And he wasn't assigned a reading, but he chose what he chose for a purpose. And Jesus read a passage that was full of good news. It was a passage of, of comfort and hope. It, it talked about good news for the, re, the poor, the, the release of, of captives, and the recovery of sight for the blind, and the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, this was just chock full of good news. And Jesus read these words. And then the last part that would happen in synagogue worship is that someone would expound on the passage that had, be written, had been written And we see that here. Jesus sat down, which, you know, in in, in our practice on Sunday worship, someone might come here and read a passage and then go sit down out there. In Jewish custom, a teacher would sit down and people would listen. It was the place to speak. So Jesus sat down and he began to, to share on this passage from Isaiah that he had read. And it says Jesus starts to share that sort of the atmosphere in the place goes from excitement to confusion to attempted violence. I mean, it changes pretty quickly in this place and in this course. And and so Jesus even quotes this this proverb, this this kind of well-known proverb of the day, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown, right? You all, you're familiar with proverbs, right? Proverbs are those... Those those sayings that we have that sort of convey conventional wisdom. You know, like, like an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy and wealthy and wise, right? If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man how to fish... Feed him for a life? Now, I'm, I learned that one differently. I learned if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a day. Oh, give a man a fish. Well, if you teach a man how to fish, they spend every day in the boat, I thought was how it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep the dream alive, hit the snooze button, right? I mean, just conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom, my, my son tells me too many dad jokes, I'm, I'm sorry about that. So Jesus tells them this proverb, a prophet's not welcome in their own hometown. Now it may not have been a direct reference, but, but it's likely that the people who were gathered in the synagogue that day, when they heard Jesus say this, they thought of the prophet Amos. Here's why. Amos was from Judah, but he lived on the border of Israel. And at the time of the prophet Amos, Israel was was under the control of a king by the name of Jeroboam II. Now, now Jeroboam II, he he was really successful militarily for his country. I mean, as far as that was concerned, these were good days. And because of that, it led to great wealth. And so do you know what the common understanding was of the people of Israel? Our king has led us into military victory and our coffers are full. Surely this is the Lord's doing. Surely God has blessed us because our military succeeds and we are rich and wealthy. But from the prophet's standpoint, Jeroboam II was one of the worst kings ever. See, because wealth led to apathy, and apathy led to sort of this relaxation when it came to their worship. And when their worship was no longer focused the way in which it had been, it affected the way that they practiced their faith. And in particular, it affected some of the way that that they treated some of the most vulnerable in their midst. And so when the prophet Amos would, would speak to the people of Israel, one of his messages, he had several different messages, but, but one, of his, one of his messages was, was that Israel's wealthy had ignored the poor. And this is how they'd ignored the poor. They allowed the poor to be sold into slavery in order to pay their debts. And this was a clear violation of what God had instructed God's people to do. This was a very clear violation of the guidance that God had given his people. But not only that, I mean, think about the history of the people of Israel. Once they had been a people who themselves were enslaved, who themselves were treated as a commodity to be used in whatever manner was necessary for those who seemed to possess them but God had heard their cries and rescued them and led them out of slavery and into their own new and promised land. And here were a people who had forgotten their history and forgotten where they had been and now they in turn are enslaving some of their own people. How can this be? And in doing so they'd forgotten the covenant. They'd forgotten that God had blessed them but that God had blessed them so that they in turn could be a blessing to everybody else. This is what the prophet Amos was was talking about, and and this is a reference to this this proverb because Amos was a prophet not to his own people, but to a different people. And so as Jesus says this, Jesus goes on to to remind that that this idea of God's goodness, that this idea of, of jubilee, the year of our Lord's favor... This is good news. It's a message of good news for all people, for all people, not not just for some people. And Luke is making this very clear from the beginning that that, that Jesus Jesus is telling his home folk, he's telling the people of Nazareth, he's saying, hey, listen, this is my hometown. I love this place. I love all of you. I know you. I know you better than I want to know you. I still love you anyway. But, Jesus is saying, I don't only love you. I love everybody. And the good news that I bring is not just for you. It's for the whole world. It's for everyone. And so, somehow, they'd forgotten they, they wanted the good news to be just for them, not for everyone. So, Jesus also reminds them of these two stories from their faith, these two examples. The first is with the prophet Elijah. Elijah, who was a prophet to God's people, right? The the Jewish people, the people of Israel. And and in the midst of this, this terrible famine, when there were all kinds of people hurting, particularly widows, who had great difficulty providing for themselves. There were many widows in Israel who were suffering at that time, but what does God do? God leads Elijah, not to a Jewish widow but to a Gentile widow. And not just to any Gentile widow. He takes Elijah to a Gentile widow who is living in Philistine. Do you remember who the Philistines were? Goliath was a Philistine soldier. I mean, it's okay for God to love everybody, but when we're hurting, shouldn't God care for us, right? This was the struggle that they had with that. And then he tells another story about Elisha. Elisha, who served after Elijah, and in that time, there was a lot of lepers in Israel. But what does God do? God uses Elijah to heal Naaman. Naaman, who is a general in the Syrian army, Syria, the arch enemy of Israel. I mean, why would God work in these ways? Like, why would God care for the enemies instead of caring for them? And Jesus was reminding them that he brought a message of good news for all people. You know, I've been thinking on this passage throughout this week. There's a lot of different ways that you can go with a passage as a preacher. (laughs) There's so much that the gospel says to us. There's a lot of different ways that you can go. A lot of different ways you can preach, and that's especially been true this week. You know, there's a part that, that reminds me as I think of this passage that there's a refrain that we find woven throughout all of Scripture from beginning to end and back again. It, it, it's this refrain that, that as followers of Christ, that, that as those who've been blessed by God, that we in turn are called to share that blessing with others. That as those who've received God's blessing, the only appropriate response is to share God's blessing. We find this throughout all of Scripture. And what else we find in Scripture is that that to share God's blessing is not just to give lip service to it. It's not just to give lip service to it, but to, to truly embody and live out the blessing of God to those around us. This is something we see woven throughout all of Scripture. To be a blessing to those around us, especially to those who maybe sometimes are forgotten. To people like those in Wobegon, the people time forgot, right? <laughs> you know, in some ways, that's, that's why we as a church, as a denomination, have chosen the name Nazarene. Nazarenes were those people that time forgot. They were the people that history didn't write about because they didn't matter. And yet Jesus was from there. We're the kind of a church that says that everybody matters. And that we want the good news of Jesus Christ to be made known to everyone, right? And so we're Christians, as Christians, we're called to to share the message of good news for all people to live our lives in such a way that the love and grace and peace of Christ is embodied to us, to those in our sphere of influence, who are hurting or broken or forgotten. And all of us have those people in our lives. And all of us have the opportunity to embody that. And one of my prayers as a pastor is that we would be the kind of church that doesn't just live out our faith as we gather here, but lives out our faith in a radical, embodied way each week as we go from this place. So that when people encounter us, they encounter the good news of the gospel that is for everyone, amen? But as I've thought of this passage this week, in light of this week. I've also been reminded of that from the other angle, that Jesus came to share a message of good news for all people, which means that Jesus came to share a message of good news for you. Jesus reminded the people in Nazareth that the good news of God's coming into the world was for all people. It was for the poor, the oppressed, the hurting, the forgotten. Like I said, we're a large enough church where every week we've got folks who've had a rough week. And knowing especially that this has been a week that's been rough for a lot of folks. But the good news of Jesus is that he came for you, and that he's with you. He has not forgotten you, and he will be with you to strengthen you and help you. Amen? Let me me pray for us today. Lord, today we are so grateful that you so loved the whole entire world. That you sent your son not just to save the Hebrew people, but to save all people, which includes us. And God, as we are gathered here today, united together through your Holy Spirit, for those of us who are here in this sanctuary in person and for those who are united with us together online today, Lord, we are so grateful that you have loved us. And God, we pray that you would help us be the kind of church that collectively, but also personally, would embody the message of good news for all people. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have the eyes to see those in our midst who need to experience your love and grace. And God, we pray that you would help us to live in such a way that those people would experience your love and grace through us. And Lord, I also pray today for all those who are hurting. Lord, I think of the Hoyt family and the the Benchoff family and Mary Ann and others, so many others. Lord, we pray that your message of good news through your son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, would be richly and deeply in their hearts and lives today and in the coming days. In your name, amen.
1: Would you stand this morning? This is my story. This is my soul. Whispers of love Division. All is at rest. I am my savior and happy and blessed. We're watching and waiting and looking up and filled with His good. And we're lost in his love, but you lift up this praise, and this is my story, and this is my.
0: As we've come together to worship today, we've remembered that God came into this world with a message of good news for all of us, that God is with us, that God will be with us. And as those who've received that good news, may we now go and share that good news by the grace and power of God who is with us, amen.
1: Story. This is my